0: I want to study something that is important that will make a difference in people's lives down the road.
1: Welcome to season four of Biogenesis, the podcast where we get to know biologists, where they came from, and where they're going next. This season, we have a new theme and a new co-host. That's me. I'm Eva Frederick from Whitehead Institute. And as you know by now, I'm Raleigh
2: McElvery from the MIT Department of Biology. This season, we're talking about fundamental biological insights that are poised to have an impact on society. Sometimes these discoveries emerge when a researcher is simply performing experiments to satisfy a curiosity about how the world works. Consider the foundational microbiology research that revealed the CRISPR-Cas9 system, now a widely used gene editing tool or the decades of mRNA research that laid the groundwork for the COVID-19 vaccines from Moderna and Pfizer-BioNTech. Here at MIT Biology and Whitehead Institute, our researchers investigate
1: the basic cellular mechanics that underlie life itself, including organ regeneration, developmental disorders, parasitic invasions, and cancer treatment. This
2: season, we'll introduce you to four graduate students exploring these very topics. So, without further ado, meet Tina Lopez. She's in search of the mysterious signal that cues the liver to rebuild itself after injury. By solving this puzzle, she's hoping to find a universal indicator that could help direct other organs, like the brain
0: and heart, to regenerate. Hi, I'm Tina Lopez, and I'm a second year graduate student in the Kanaus Lab. I'm from the border town of McAllen, Texas, which is found on the southern tip of Texas. I have a younger sister and then my two parents. They work at the best grocery store H-E-B. They worked there their whole lives, and they worked their way up in that chain. And they've always just instilled that education is very important for a better life. They, you know, they, they pushed. Me and my sister both went to public schools there. And then for high school, we went to like a special program for the students that wanted to take advanced courses called the IB program. There weren't enough of us in the town actually to have them all at the separate high schools, so we all got bused to the same one little building.
2: Tina had a long standing interest in math and science, but she didn't consider a career in research until the end of high school.
0: I didn't really know being a scientist was an actual thing probably until my senior year of high school. The thrill of, you know, coming up with a question to pursue and Being able to do whatever it takes to answer that question, I thought was thrilling. I was like, okay, maybe I'll be a chemical engineer. I like both math and chemistry. And so I Googled what were the best chemical engineering schools, and MIT was number one. And I was like, you know what? Let's see what happens. I'll probably end up going to a school in Texas like most of my classmates. That's where everyone usually goes. I applied early decision. I got deferred. And then I ended up getting accepted regular action, and it was actually the last school I heard from and the only school I ended up getting accepted to. So it was a very nerve-wracking time. (laughs) Don't recommend.
1: (laughs) So Tina arrives at MIT in the fall of 2014 for her
0: bachelor's degree.
1: And spoiler alert, she stays there for her Ph.D. But let's not jump
0: ahead. So I think the biggest challenge for me was the coursework. I always thought that my family was, like, we were pretty well off, right? We don't have to put foil on our windows to keep the heat out. We had an AC unit. But then coming here to MIT, I realized that, like, so many other students had so many other opportunities that, like, I didn't even know were possible. I didn't learn the things that my professors expected me to come in knowing. It was very hard for me to figure out how to catch up. In my intro bio course, actually, the first day, they're telling us the things that we should know that they're not gonna bore us teaching us with, right? And they talk about prokaryotes and eukaryotes. And I'm sitting there like, what are those? And so that was pretty hard. But the thing that I do love was that everyone was willing to help me get there. All my classmates were definitely willing to help me get there. It just took a lot of, of time and effort on both of our parts.
2: One of Tina's biology professors, and a source of support throughout her MIT experience, was the late Angelica Amen, who passed away in 2020. Angelica ran her lab out of the Koch
1: Institute, where she investigated chromosome segregation, the point in cell division when the chromosomes move to opposite poles of the nucleus as the cell prepares to split
2: into two identical daughter cells. She was interested in knowing how errors in that segregation process can lead to diseases like cancer,
0: she was a yeast geneticist, so it was, she was interested in, in the pure science of it and took a very, very fundamental approach, which was very inspiring for me, too. Her enthusiasm was infectious, and she told us how she worked at the Coke, and I was kind of interested in cancer research. And after that first time hearing her talk, I knew I had to work for her. I immediately emailed her, and she put me with Kristen Kanaus who at the time was an MD PhD student in her lab and I worked for her for the rest of my undergraduate career
1: Tina worked in the Amen lab under Kristen's supervision for 4 years studying how cells behave when they're taken out of an organism and
0: plopped into a dish to grow we noticed that when you take cells from an organ take them out of their you know natural context and put them in a dish they can't divide properly and so we wanted to know why that was. We discovered that the architecture, so the shape the cells take in the organ, they, don't, they can't take that shape in a dish. And that 3D shape is very important for their ability to properly divide their chromosomes. I ended up changing my major from what I thought would be chemical engineering to biology because I just, I fell in love. I remember like the moment I fell in love was I was staining slides at the bench with Kristen. We're gonna get a big, you know, exciting result for our project. And I was like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. This is so exciting to be like the first person, you know, kind of in the world to know something.
2: Tina and Kristen finished their respective degrees in the same year, but neither of them strayed from campus. Kristen headed across the street to the Whitehead Institute to start her own lab as a Whitehead Fellow. And Tina?
0: I had initially chosen a different PhD program. Kristen had actually just opened her lab, and so I helped her a little bit start up that summer. And the research she was doing was exactly what I was interested in. It made a perfect fit, and that's when I came back to MIT to join her lab officially as a PhD student, which was super exciting.
1: Tina's undergrad research, Kristen's graduate work, had involved studying division in cells from several different organs, including the liver. Every time they removed cells from the liver for their cancer experiments, it would regenerate.
0: The act of regeneration, I think, captivated both of us. And so she decided that she really wanted to pursue the liver um, going into her own lab. If we think of the body in general, we can usually classify organs into two categories. Those that continuously divide, such as the intestine and the skin when they're injured, or organs that cannot divide once they're injured. So you can think of heart attack. We don't have a cure for that. When those heart cells, cardiomyocytes, die, you can't replace them. And same with neurons and neurodegenerative diseases. The body also provides a unique difference between these two groups, which is the liver, which is a conditionally renewing tissue. And so the liver upon injury has the ability to completely regenerate itself and regrow the organ to the same function, functional ability and the same mass. And in mice, this takes place in a week and in humans, it's about a month. And so Kristen and the lab were interested in understanding how the liver has this unique ability and can we confer it to other tissues such as the heart and a heart attack and the brain and neurodegenerative diseases.
2: There's no disputing that liver regeneration is a magnificent feat of cellular resilience. But the mechanisms behind the special ability remain unclear.
0: It's such a fundamental question in liver biology how this happens. And when I was talking with Chris, and I I assumed I just like missed the, I couldn't find the right paper or something. How How can we appreciate that this organ has this remarkable ability to regenerate? but we don't know how it does it, and no one's been able to answer this question for decades. It was kind of like, oh, I I want to give it a shot.
1: What researchers like Tina and Kristen do know so far is that the regeneration process depends on a protein called hepatocyte growth factor, or HGF. HGF is found in humans and pretty much all animals with livers, including mice, which Tina and Kristen use as model organisms. HGF serves as a cue to induce the cells in a damaged liver to divide
0: and fix the injury. When those cells see that signal, then they know what to do next. But we weren't entirely sure where it's coming from and how the body can sense liver insufficiency in order to induce HGF synthesis. We kind of took an unbiased organism-wide approach to answer this question, like what organs in the body are sensing liver insufficiency? So we would induce liver injury. And then I checked the major organs and looked for which ones are inducing HGF synthesis shortly after liver injury. And the liver actually was one of the higher HGF-producing organs, which we thought was pretty interesting. And so then the question became, what cell type or cell types in the liver are inducing HGF synthesis? And then we found these stellate cells.
2: Stellate cells, named for their star-shaped appearance, help form scar tissue in the liver in response to injury.
0: Their fun fact is they store 80% of the body's vitamin A.
2: But other than that,
0: we don't really know much about them.
2: Tina thinks they could be the source of the enigmatic HGF signal that directs regeneration.
0: So now what I'm working on is figuring out, is the signal of liver insufficiency systemic? Is it found in the blood? Is it something that all the organs see? Or is it something that's localized within the liver? And then once I answer that question, I will be able to answer what exactly that signal is.
1: She's been working to isolate stellate cells from mouse livers, placing them in a dish with nutrients from the blood to see if she can coax them to make HGF outside the body. This information, combined with some experiments she has planned, will help her determine what exactly cues these cells to make HGF, and if that signal is found within the circulatory system.
0: It would set an understanding for how the body can sense the injury of an organ, and Once we figure out how the liver is able to tell the body, hey, I need growth factor so that we don't die, can we figure out whether other organs are able to do this or other organs do this? Does this also apply to other organs that are injured? And where is the roadblock in that? For example, a heart attack, is it just that there is no signal that the cardiomyocytes, the heart cells are dead? Or is it that there isn't someone sensing this signal? Um, And can we modulate at, at those ends.
2: Kristen recently moved her lab from Whitehead Institute back to the Koch Institute, where she and Tina first met under Angelica Amen. This time, though, Kristen is running the lab, and Tina has accompanied her as the group's first graduate student.
0: I want to be a PI in the future at an academic institution, and so it's been very useful for me to see how to start up a lab which I don't, is, is not something I think everyone gets to experience. So it's nice to see like, okay, what worked for Kristen, What didn't work? What should I keep for my own experience? Kind of shaping the culture of the lab has, has been nice. You know, how we do things, what traditions do we want to instill, things like that.
1: When she becomes a PI, Tina wants to head a lab that uncovers fundamental biological insights with clinical relevance.
0: To me, conducting fundamental research is so important because I think we, we need to understand at the very basic level how things work in order to modulate or fix them. And if we don't have that understanding, we don't know what to fix, where the problem is. And so for me, that's why basic science is so important.
2: That's it for today. Next time, tune in to meet a grad student who's investigating how errors in genetic code can confuse the cells that mold facial structures. Subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes,
1: or find us on our websites at MIT Biology and Whitehead Institute.
2: Thanks for listening.